Hello, welcome to Curl and Mooring's All Things Protest podcast. I'm Olivia Lynch, a partner in Curl's government contracts group. Today, I'm going to talk about recent regulatory updates to the Small Business Administration's ostensible subcontractor rule. I find all things affiliation infinitely interesting, but the topic of a sensible subcontractor is one that both large and small contractors need to be aware of, as it implicates how large and small contractors can team on small business set-aside procurements together. In other words, the ostensible subcontractor rule implicates all aspects of a teaming arrangement between a small business prime and a large business sub on a small business set-aside, Uh, including but not limited to what work the sub is proposed to perform and the amount or value of that work. And in situations where the sub is the incumbent on the the contract being re-procured, it implicates everything from whose past performance and experience is being cited in the proposal, whether employees are going to move from the business sub to the small business prime if the contract is awarded to the small business prime, how the effort is going to be managed, et cetera. So before we talk about what I consider to be a few key regulatory developments in the ostensible subcontractor rule, I think it's helpful to discuss how until those developments took effect May 30, 2023, the ostensible subcontractor rule worked. Historically, there have been two tests as to whether a team has an ostensible subcontractor problem for a specific procurement. And when I say specific procurement, this is the sole type of affiliation that is procurement specific. So in other words, if a small business prime and its large business sub are found to be affiliated due to a sensible subcontracting, it only disqualifies that small business prime for the particular procurement, and it doesn't have broader reaching effects on that entity's small business status for other purposes. But turning to the two sensible subcontractor tests, the first is whether the sub is proposed to perform the primary and vital requirements of the contract, fairly straightforward. The second test is a multi-part, much more complicated test, uh, and it's whether the small business prime is unusually reliant on its sub. CBA uses a four-factor test to determine whether a prime contractor's relationship with a subcontractor is suggestive of unusual reliance under this under this rule. And those four factors are: first, that the proposed subcontractor is the incumbent contractor for the work being reprocured, but that subcontractor is ineligible to compete for the procurement. So we see this happen in in two different situations. One is where you have a company that was historically small and has outgrown that size standard and isn't going to be eligible to to bid on the recompete of its incumbent work. The second is we've seen situations where large government contractors have acquired small businesses or recently small businesses businesses who are still performing small business contracts. And when the work that the acquired entities have been performing comes up for recompete, the new corporate family wants to stay on the incumbent work and so you know seeks to partner with a small business prime for the recompete. So first the unusual reliance test, whether the proposed subcontractor is the incumbent subcontractor and ineligible to compete for the procurement. Second is whether the prime contractor plans to hire the majority of its workforce from the subcontractor. Third prong is whether the prime contractor's proposed management previously served with the subcontractor on the incumbent contract. And the fourth prong is whether the prime contractor lacks relevant experience and must rely upon its more experienced subcontractor to win the contract, i.e. whether the the sub's past performance and experience are what uh, qualifies it to receive the award given the evaluation criteria. 
So under SBA's Office of Hearings and Appeals case law, uh, when these factors are present, violation of the ostensible subcontractor rule is more likely to be found if the subcontractor will perform 40% or more of the contract. So again, the impact of an ostensible subcontractor finding is that the small business prime and its ostensible sub would be considered affiliated for purposes of the specific procurement, which would render the small business prime ineligible for award of that particular procurement. The SBA regs also provide that the ostensible subcontractor rule can come to play in status protests regarding CBOSB, WSB, and subzone status protests. And one particularly interesting thing, you know, a late 2021 OHA decision you know, essentially held that protester doesn't even need to identify the alleged ostensible subcontractor by name. Uh, in the size appeal of critical contingency solutions, SBA number SIZ 6126, OHA found that an area office had improperly dismissed the protest, alleging unusual reliance on a subcontractor to perform the work. What OHA said was the protester had alleged sufficient facts based on such publicly available information as the awardee's own website to support the assertion that the small business prime couldn't perform the work itself and must be relying on subcontractor. So that type of ruling really, you know, opened up small business primes to to be susceptible to a sensible subcontractor protest. Uh, one way that we've seen competitors try to challenge the size or status of joint ventures formed by contractors in an SBA-approved mentor-protege relationship is by arguing that the small business protege is unusually reliant on its mentor. In other words, the protester would argue that a JV is ineligible for a set-aside award because its members, who are an approved mentor and its approved protege, are affiliated to the ostensible subcontractor rule. OHA has rejected that uh, line of reasoning. In a 2019 case, size appeal of Global Dynamics LLC, SBA number SIZ 6012, SBA held that an ostensible subcontractor challenge wouldn't fly because when two parties form a joint venture, they're just that participants in a joint venture and are not in a prime contractor and subcontractor relationship. Uh, and under OHA's case law, it's well settled that in order to have an ostensible subcontractor problem, there must be a subcontracting relationship that is problematic. So, you know, with all of that background on the SBA's ostensible subcontractor rule, I'm going to move into discussion of two regulatory updates that took effect via SBA final rulemaking, effective May 30, 2023. And these, these are two ways that teams can solve for the ostensible subcontractor relationship that, that weren't available before this rule change. So first is that SBA has added to 13 CFR 121-103 the statement that if the the team is in an SBA-approved mentor-protege relationship, the sensible subcontractor rule will not kick in. In other words, if the small business prime is the protege in an SBA-approved mentor-protege relationship and its subcontractor is its approved mentor, those entities teaming in a prime sub fashion on a particular procurement aren't going to have an ostensible subcontractor problem because it's solved for by the SBA approved mentor protege agreement. So that's 
something that you know large government contractors should add as one of the considerations for whether to enter into a mentor protege agreements and which proteges to choose particularly with the SBA also amending the mentor protege program regulations to cap corporate families at three proteges at any given time companies have to be very strategic now about who they're choosing to mentor and i i think in certain situations, solving for the sensible subcontractor problem on particular procurements could be you know, worth, worth consideration in deciding on project relationships going forward. The second way that large and small contractors can solve for the sensible subcontractor rule is now by demonstrating compliance with the limitation on subcontracting. So there was a little Roman numeral three clause added to 13 CFR 121-103-H3. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it effectively says that in the case of a contractor order set aside for small businesses, SBA will find that the small business prime is performing the primary vital requirements of the contract and is not unduly or unusually reliant on one or more of its subcontractors that are not small businesses. And this is key, where the prime contractor can demonstrate that it, together with any subcontractors that qualify as small businesses, will meet the limitation on subcontracting set forth in 13 CFR 125.6. So that another way primes and subs can now solve for the sensible subcontractor rule. In contrast, I note that compliance with the limitation on subcontracting will not solve for an sensible subcontractor problem in procurements for general construction. The LOS for general construction is only that the prime must not subcontract more than 15% of the contract. And SBA noted in its rulemaking that it's conceivable that a small business prime could perform 15% of the work, but still subcontract out all of the supervisory and oversight responsibilities, which in SBA's mind would be problematic because oftentimes the primary and vital requirements of a prime contract for general construction is program and portfolio management of that project. As of this recording, OHA hasn't issued any decisions on appealed size or status protests applying these new regulations. So, you know, we look forward to, you know, how these are going to be applied, what that is going to look like in the future. One thing I'll flag is that the you know, tying limitation on subcontracting compliance with solving for the ostensible subcontractor rule introduces an interesting problem in that historically OHA will not you know, hear challenges about compliance with the limitation on subcontracting. As recently as earlier this year, 2023, in the size appeal of Advent Edge Solutions of Middle Atlantic Inc., OHA wrote that whether a concern complies with the performance of work requirements is a matter of capability and thus contractor responsibility and not within the jurisdiction of size protest and appeals process. In other words, Compliance with limitation on subcontracting is a responsibility issue that you would challenge to GAO. So thinking through what this would look like, if a size protest is filed on the basis of a sensible subcontractor and, and the defense is, we don't have a problem because we've demonstrated that the team will meet the limitation on subcontracting, that's going to move the question of limitation on subcontracting presumably to OHA's jurisdiction. Whereas in the past, the ability to challenge the award to a small business on the basis that the team wouldn't satisfy the limitation on subcontracting historically was limited to GAO, where 
you know, GAO agreed it was a matter of responsibility. But if the protester alleged that on the face of the proposal or the offer, the agency should have understood that the awarded team couldn't or wouldn't comply with the limitation on subcontracting, GAO would hear that protest and there there were some sustains on that basis. So with all that said, you know, those are two regulatory updates that government contractors looking to team on small business set aside should be aware of. And as always, thanks for listening. The All Things Protest podcast is brought to you by Kroll and Mooring LLP. You can find more information at Kroll.com slash all things protest.